welcome to Navigating Change with Shane and Mike. Across from me, Shane Bishop. My name is Mike Wooten. We are glad to have you join us for the show today. In this episode, we're going to talk about how do you get ahead in life. It's based off Shane's blog, Want to Get Ahead in Life. You can find it at RevShaneBishop.com. Speaking of the Rev Shane Bishop, Rev Shane, how are you today? Well, I am well. Did you know... Shane, that when I was born, my mom gave me the name Rev Mike. Oh, I, you know, I've noticed that, Mike. I've noticed that when you introduce yourself to the church, <laughs> you introduce yourself as I'm Reverend Mike. Yeah. Yeah. So it worked out really well for me. I like it, man. Yeah. Uh, you kind of grew into it. It's prophetic. It, it, I, I think yeah. so. And you know, or, uh, Shane. Or I'm not very creative. Well, you know, <laughs> Shane, which I'm the oldest Shane I've ever met. Except thirty-year-old Shane, the oldest you've ever met. Yeah, right. So the 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 Shane that preceded me was the movie, the Alan Ladd movie, the Gunfighter movie, and then my mom and dad went and watched it at the theater in Edwardsville, and mom was at the end of her pregnancy, and they decided to name me Shane. Well, yeah. Shane means gracious one, and so I still feel like I'm trying to grow into that, Mike. Hey. So you were named Reverend Mike yep. out of the womb. Reverend Michael yeah. Wooten, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, boom, it all works out. Me, I was named Shane Laverne yeah. Bishop. That was my name. Are you still growing into the middle name? I'm, I'm still, I, you know, counseling has helped when it comes to the middle name. Just, <laughs> sure. just being able to embrace what you got. Absolutely. Because yeah. when I was growing up, Mike, I felt like I had the coolest first name and the lamest middle name. Of any boy in my class, <laughs> it you out. yeah, right. I mean, I felt yeah. like I, I felt like I, it kind of broke even. Yeah, be like somebody that was really, really uh, handsome, but not real yeah. smart. It's a break-even enterprise. Yeah. And I went, to, I went to high school with a guy named Shane Ehler. Shane is a year older than me, and Shane was one of the coolest guys in school there you during go. that time. So I always thought Shane was a cool name before I even met you. This is I'm not just saying this. So is it had true. good associations it with did. coolness. Be, even before uh, we met. He's a pilot right now, and uh, yeah, he's been in the military since high school. Well, sounds so like it worked out okay. It worked out really well for him. Now, when we were kids, the coolest person out there was the Fonz. Okay. Do you have any recollection of... Of, of the Fonz from Happy Days. Yeah, I saw Well, his real name was Arthur Fonzarelli. Yeah. So in my mind, the coolest name in the world would be Arthur Fonzarelli Wooten. Yeah. So if yeah. a son is yeah. in the forecast for you yeah. in any way, Arthur Fonzarelli Wooten, I feel like that's where you need to go, not Reverend. I might just adopt that name for myself. I actually <laughs> I like it. For, for Christmas, yeah. my wife got The Woo. Like the Fonz, the Woo. The Woo. That, yeah. that for for Christmas I got a leather jacket, by the way. Wow. So I'm already Black on or brown? my way. A brown. All right, all right. Yeah, yeah. I really like it. It's a little it. trendier, man, because the Fonz had a black leather jacket, as oh, I recall. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So but that's okay. There. Yeah. That's okay because you know you're you're another generation or four from the Fonz. But you do have a, a black leather jacket. Uh, I have a brown one. Well, you know. Yeah. Good. Have you worn it yet? I've worn it a couple times, yeah. Do you feel kind of drippy in it? Mm, I'm not sure what that means. But well, I my grandson. Like, I wondered, Maddox, is that what you mean? Kind oh, of a, yeah. Yeah, Maddox. Yeah. Uh, we were going somewhere, yeah. and he had a pair of pants on that I... Th- Maddox is 12, and he had a pair of yeah. pants on that I think he must own when he's four. And then he had some Crocs on, and then he kind of had a sock hat yeah. on yeah. that was kind of riding high. <laughs> and I said, dude, you look ridiculous. And he goes, no, I look drippy. Drip. 
Yeah. And I had no idea what that meant. Yeah. Because when I was growing up, if you were a drip, that wasn't a, a good thing. Connotation. That was a negative connotation. And, yeah. and then I found out that style, cool. You kind of got the drip. You got the drip. You're dripping. So coincidentally, I did. I didn't know you were using it in the uh, oh, I am. modern. Oh no, slang. no, yeah. It's so uh, just the other day, I spilled some water on myself uh-huh. at the uh, table, and um, I had a Christchurch sweatshirt on. Yeah. And uh, one of my daughters said, "Daddy, why do you spill water on yourself?" I said, "This is part of the design. It's a, it's a drippy design." Oh, I like it. And then they just rolled their eyes. It's at the me. drip. Yeah. Yeah, see, yeah. see, this is this is new to me, but I feel like I'm on it now. You you used it well. Oh uh, well, thank you. Caught you. me off guard. Well, I can do that. It's yeah. it's when your name's Laverne, you you grow yeah. very resilient. Yeah, uh, and I think it's helped you get ahead in life. Well, it has. It has. David Goliath story, right? David defeats Goliath. He cuts off his head, and it just shows that a lot of us have spent our whole lives trying to get ahead. All right, Shane, let's move to this content because I can tell you are just desiring it. You're like dripping over there. Oh, yeah, and looking sharp, in. looking shockingly like I do every other day, right? That's uh, that's right. So we want to talk about getting ahead in life today. Like I said earlier, this is part of one of your blogs. Shane, when you're if you're just giving some advice to someone to get ahead in life, what are some of the first things that you need to kind of share? You know, when I was growing up, it seemed like public education kind of had three focuses, you know, um, learn what we tell you, do what you're told and don't be a weirdo. That is sort of what I picked up growing up. Well, what I've discovered is that there are, is still a formula today to get ahead. When I look at successful people, there are just some very common things that I see. You and me are from different generations, though we're both drippy, Mm -hmm. but we're from different generations. But I see things in you that that uh, produce success that I see in me. I I see things in very successful millennials that I see in very successful baby boomers. Transcend uh, generations. Agreed. These are just uh, Ideas, concepts, just very simple things that no matter how old you are, even if you're in grade school, Mm -hmm. these are some things that I just notice. So they're not really so much uh, what you ought to do. It's it's what I see people doing. And people who get ahead, these are some things that I see, no matter what age, what stage. All right. One of those first things uh, that you're talking about right now is simply working hard. Why is it important to work hard, Shane? Well, I, you know, in my mind, I was just raised with an ethic of hard work. If you're going to do something, you know, the Bible says if you put your hand to something, do it with all your might. And so when I look at people who are successful, I see hard workers. I just do not see a lot of lazy people being successful. Now, some are brilliant. Mm-hmm. And they'll end up being wildly successful because they'll invent right. something. But for regular people, yes, working hard is the key. If you are in athletics as a kid, if you're in school, if you're coming up uh, vocationally, if you're in the middle of things, if you are in charge of the world, one of the things I see that people who are successful have in common is they work hard. 
You know, I think that's a great tip. You know, one of the things I found, especially when I was working with teenagers and 20-somethings a lot uh, a lot more, there were actually that work ethic uh, was in a lot of them to work hard, but they didn't know how to work smart. Yeah. And there is a point, I think, especially for a young person, uh, maybe a young millennial, now a generation, an older Generation Z, is that people need to, if they can get this whole deal about working hard, that's great. But also, they will start to burn themselves out if they don't know how to work really hard work excuse me work smart work towards something that they want to gain as well and one of the things i'm always going to advocate for for someone in that age range is to find a mentor who knows how to not only work hard but work smart i think i've heard the analogy something like you know you can work like a mule or you can work like a, a clydesdale yeah you know and the big idea is that you gotta you know kind of work uh in a in a smart way well, Mike, you know, I, I've heard you say something. You, you've said that's next level. You know, mm-hmm. you, you've said something. You'll say, hey, that was next level. Well, here's kind of the next level of this. you got to come up working hard. And then you've got to learn to work smart. And then you've got to work hard at working smart. It's not 40 mm-hmm. hours of hard work. Uh, it's 40 hours of yeah. hard work on the right things that could be the equivalent of a thousand hours of hard work on the wrong things. So you got to work hard, then you got to work smart. Next level, work hard at working smart. Yeah, because you could come up at the end of the week and say, I'm working so hard and not getting anywhere. A person could be exhausted. um, And I do think that takes a little bit of perspective. Yeah, Uh, you you worked 80 hours that week and you honestly accomplished nothing. Yeah. You're not getting ahead. That's right. And and somebody else is working smart. Maybe they work 20 hours and accomplish more. But what could you do if you work smart for 40 hours? That's right. All right. Another thing uh, to help someone get ahead is just to have a great attitude, Shane. How does that connect with getting ahead? I think it's everything. I I do. I, I think the most underrated, true, true virtue of getting ahead is having a great attitude. Uh, people gravitate toward people with can-do attitudes. Yeah. Uh, there, there's no downside to having yeah. a good attitude. Now, I'm not talking about a, a sappy, manipulative kind of good right. attitude. But if somebody just thoroughly is a yeah. can-do person, brings positive energy, guys, you may not be able to be a genius. Yeah. But you can have a good attitude because that's a matter of choice. And I think that is the one piece out there that people just miss. Now, I don't speak for all millennials, but I do think some millennials have an issue with the uh, having a great attitude part because it does at times feel like uh, a person is just um, faking it. And that's yeah, absolutely. Part, part of life, and your generation gets that very clearly, probably generation after you as well, but I think some millennials are like, oh, you know what? No, that's not really how things are going. Why should I have a good attitude? What would you say to millennials saying that, well, aren't, shouldn't I just be honest right now about how I feel? I'm, you know, I think this is being true to myself. Yeah, I would say as long as someone is paying you, no one cares how you feel. Just no one stinking cares how you feel. The whole world doesn't revolve around how you feel. Right. I was at a meeting once, and uh, and I was talking to some church staff, and I was saying I believe that people who pay us to work at church have a right to expect that we're going to have a good attitude. And I got that very same piece of pushback. Somebody said, but what if I'm having a bad day? What do you want me to do? Fake it. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Fake it. You know, fake it. But having a great attitude, 
game changer. And the other thing is, is Mike, I, I really kind of like this, but fake it till you feel it. Decide the attitude you want to have, right. that you ought to have, you know you need to have. Fake it till you feel it. I, you know, a lot of people start the day off miserable and they, and they just lean into yeah. that and they yeah. stay there. Yeah. I'm going to choose to have a great attitude. If I'm not feeling it at every moment, I'll eventually catch up with that. Yeah. You know, so so put that great attitude out yeah. there. Fake it till you feel but it. I, I got no problem with that. I love that because some people, because this is such a uh, issue they're going through, they really have to get that check in the morning. Yeah. They have to get that in check. You know, uh, you can easily fall into, uh, you know, the kind of depression around or the problem, but uh, really finding that good attitude. You know what I found too, Shane, as the more and more I have practiced this over the years, with a good attitude, more good opportunities come. And sure. I do think people are shutting themselves out from even having uh, getting ahead, if yeah. you will, because they're just staying negative or staying their feelings. And they keep wondering, why isn't anything good coming my way? Well, I think a lot of people just are, are vibe sensitive, you know, and, and some people just have really negative vibes. And if you see somebody that just you remember the old Charlie Brown thing, you know, the pig pen always had this this kind of this cloud of dirt over his head, you know. Mm. I just know people just have negative energy, and they just have these negative vibes. They don't draw people. Hmm. Uh, nobody wants to spend time with that, right. you know. And so for me, uh, that great attitude is absolutely essential. And, and I, I, I've said this before, but I think people with great attitudes are human air fresheners. Hmm. They're just like a human air freshener in a stinky world. Uh, they add value, and a great attitude adds a ton of value. And having a great attitude usually means you'll be a good team player. Shane, that's next on the list today about getting ahead. Being a team player, how does that help? Well, Mike, would it be, would, would I have to turn in my baby boomer card if I said I think your generation are better team players than mine? Uh, yeah, bring it out. Do you disagree with that? Yeah, uh, so I think, I do, so that's interesting. I think that the team players are more effective in this generation, but I do think there's, um, I do think there's still some difficulty of getting people to play on the team. Mm -hmm. What I mean is, I think we, there's a, something in my generation and, and maybe the older Gen, Gen Z generation that does see about the power of working collaboratively and in a team, but I still think there's, there's a lot, especially in the millennial generation, a lot of people who just want to play on their own. Yeah, and so I do see that tension, but uh, but I do think in my generation there is a desire to play together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and maybe that could be a lack of family. I, I don't know what it is, but I think there's a desire for people to come together. Yeah, maybe they're a little stickier. And I think for my generation, uh, the the desire was to be in charge. You know, you always want the corner office. You 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 want the parking place with your name yeah. on it. You want the big office. You know, it was kind of that. And so I think a lot of times as people got to be successful, yeah. they never envisioned themselves as leading a team. They envisioned themselves as having people who work for them. And they're in charge. And these people work for me. So they should all shut up and color and do right. what they're told. Yeah. And I think one of the things that, you know, for me personally, I think particularly as I've gotten older, I really see a need for younger people, and I really see a need to be part of a team because the world has changed so much in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. I feel like that if I didn't have the humility to see myself not as a CEO, but as a team leader, I think I would be irrelevant now. I think I'd just be a dinosaur. 
because I think I would have an anachronistic leadership style yeah. that basically would just throw me in my office right. uh, and and bossing people around. And I just don't think it's going to work anymore. And you've had to close that gap. That's been intentional by you for some time. Hasn't well, it absolutely. Yeah. And it's part of, of a strategic purpose you've served here. And, yeah. and those of you that are older leaders, baby boomer leaders, maybe you're at the top of your yeah. organization, uh, just really value how some of the folks in the next generation yeah can not only uh, reverse mentor, but teach you, but they also can serve as sort of a liaison with even that next younger right. generation. At least they can explain it to explain those folks yeah. to you. Yeah, I kind of wonder, think talking about this, uh, did your generation just want to carry the load? Because I think this generation, want, there are leaders who want to carry it, but they want to share it. They yeah. don't want all that on them. They want to share it some with others. Do you think your generation was just like, you know, kind of give me the ball, and and I want to, and I just want to carry this thing a hundred times during the game. Or how would you? Yeah, I don't know what it was, and obviously these are all stereotypical, the absolutely general statements. Yeah. But I can tell you this: when I was in high school, my group of friends, what everybody really wanted to do was get out of their parents' house and be on their own, be financially self-sustaining. Mm -hmm. uh, we we tended to marry young. Uh, start a family. It's kind of like let's let's crack at adulting, mm -hmm. and uh, I just don't see that now. I, I, I see that that is something. There, there's what maybe an extended childhood now, but I think we got out of college, if you will. We're on the career track, and I would say that for a lot of people, the career track determined their entire lives. We're going to go where the job takes us, yeah. and we're going to drag people along. And yeah. if we have to leave mom and dad and grandma and grandpa, yeah. tough noogies. Right. If you have to relocate, that's where the job took us. Shut up and color. Yeah. And I do think there is something about my generation that made us probably pretty good, particularly if you take pastors. I think they call them uh, her solo heroic type leaders. Mm -hmm. These baby boomer pastors have produced mega churches. They've started churches that have become massive. They've take, gone into small churches that have become massive. I think there's some real leadership ability. Uh, but I do believe that it is a little bit different style. And the pastors that are my age now, and uh, I'll be 60 fairly soon, the pastors who are my age that I still be, see being highly effective are ones who have modified their work style to embrace teams. And that's hard. Well, it's, it's against every... It's it's almost against your instincts. Mm. You know, your instincts tell you the instincts built that last. That's correct. It built all everything really that the younger generation is yeah. beginning to stand on. Yeah, and I, I always tell people, you know, I really built church, particularly a worship service, based on a service I would like to attend. And from the time I was young, my my assumption was I'm an average person, and the kind of service I would want to attend is what most people would want to attend. Yeah. But now. I'm no longer the target audience. Right. And I have to sometimes doubt my own sensibilities yeah. and say, you know what? And, and I'll watch a commercial on TV, Mike, and I'll think, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. And then it occurs to me, I'm not their target audience. Yeah. yeah. I'm not their target audience. That engages someone who's watching it. Some, you... Whoever they're after, obviously some somebody uh, is, yeah. is connecting with that, but it, it's not me. So I think resilience mm -hmm. is a real issue Uh if you're going to stay effective as you get older, particularly as a baby boomer, and realizing the need for team, realizing the need for others. 
and that's helping uh, us get ahead here too at Christ Church. Well, I also uh, think it'll help provide for successful transitions when it comes time for the baby boomers to step down. Uh, if we have functioning teams, I think the transitions yeah. will be really, really easy. If we don't, I, I think they're going to be very, very difficult. I, I agree. All right, let's move on to the next uh, tip on getting ahead. Watch your language. Shane, do you ever hear people using foul language? Is that what we're talking about here in your? Yeah, it, it really is. Yeah, and and I'm, you know, theologically, what we would call cursing is is not what I hear a lot of. You know, theologically, filling a pause with God is actually uh, violating the Ten Commandments infinitely more than barnyard language. Mm. It's misusing the name of the Lord. But language has just gotten so bad. And it used to be, this is going to sound awful, but it used to be people saved a few words for when they got really mad. And now people just use F-bombs and and GDs. And they just, it, it is so much a part of every day language and I, I've even asked people before dude what do you say when you get mad because you've exhausted every terrible word in a regular sentence yeah. and for me uh, language is really important it's, yeah. it's how we communicate it, it sets the stage for civility yeah. and, it, and it shows that uh, it, it says something about us and choosing not to be offensive, not to use strong language, especially when strong language isn't called for. I just yeah. think this whole society would be a better, a lot better off if we watched our language. Yeah, I think, in you know, basic sense, it's uh, especially whatever your profession is would be to use clean language uh, whenever you're working with a customer. I have a friend who's just got back into healthcare, and she uh, started working with a group of people, and uh, these are all. Healthcare professionals, by the way, love healthcare professionals. So this isn't a moment to come down on them. But she was very surprised by the profanity they yeah. were using uh, behind the scenes, and then they started using the profanity in front of patients here yeah. and there. And I just thought, wow, that would be shocking for me to hear as a patient as well. And I just think there's some simple. I mean, obviously, if if you're a Christian, biblical boundaries, but my goodness, professional boundaries. I just don't know. Uh, in general, how a language like that would be promotable. Yeah, I, I had some young people tell me a few years back that uh, they were talking about church and pastors and these young pastors that have these huge congregations. And they said to me, and I, and I quote, we don't really think a pastor is authentic until they've used the F word. All right. And it's, it's kind of this authenticity kind of thing. You know, I, I use horrible language yeah. and that makes me authentic. Well, in my mind... Uh, that's ridiculous. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. And so for me, uh, watching your language has to do with self-control. Mm-hmm. You watch, you see somebody that watches their language, they'll be tempered in other areas of their lives as well. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think it's a big deal, and I think it's important, and I think people would be far better off, and I think our society would be far better off if we watched our language. I am absolutely in agreement there. Shane, another tip we have for getting ahead today is refusing drama. To me, this point uh, is is pretty, uh, you know, just straightforward, uh, something that I think that a rational person would use. But it seems like in our society today, drama is rewarded, and uh, it, it's, it's almost everywhere. How does refusing drama 
get you ahead. And what do you mean by it? Well, one of the things that we find in workplaces is that modern workplaces a lot of times ends up being like a bad episode of Survivor. Uh, there's there's all these games going on. There's all this drama going on. Uh, you, you see it on, on staffs that people just get radiating, and, 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 and it's all really complex. It's not helpful. And so I kind of think of drama as something we can either accept or refuse. And you can get radiating at high frequencies, and you can listen to people, and it stirs your ears. And I think we live in a society People think, you know, I'm, I'm radiating at a high frequency, therefore I am. You know, I feel drama, I therefore I am. It's yeah. the only time I feel really alive is when yeah. I'm outraged. Yeah. I, you know, and I think outrage is boring. I, I just yeah. think it's become boring. And so I think drama's boring. And these people that are living in nonstop drama cycles, I think it's the most boring thing in the whole world. You know, what if we started giving attention to people who are actually producing something helpful? What if we start giving attention mm. to good behavior instead of bad behavior? What if the news was all about good things that people are doing and then they showed one bad story at the end? How would that change our culture? So for me, if we don't want the drama in our life, if, we, if, if it's just not healthy, and I don't think it is healthy, I think we can refuse it. Just in the same way somebody brings you a rancid plate of food, just send it back. No, I don't have to eat this. I don't want it. And so when people try to dump their drama on you, a big old drama yeah. dump, yep. just, I don't want it. Yeah. Don't need it. Uh, and yeah. it's not going to work well for you either. But how many people have got caught up in office drama, mm-hmm. have ended up getting fired, mm-hmm. not because they're not good at their job, yeah. but because they got on the wrong side of something yeah. simply because of their love of drama. You know, sometimes I think if we're talking about uh, like an office setting, I th- sometimes I think it starts off with good intentions with people who work somewhere. It's almost like they want to be friends, mm-hmm. you know. And for, for me, I, I think as I think of work, I think it's a place where you can really build some rich relationships. But that's not the point of why you're at work. The hope is some rich relationships can come from that. But if you allow uh, friendships or a relation with someone to be your primary objective, I think you're inviting drama. Absolutely. So there has to be a change uh, in thinking with that. All right, let's go to our final one for today, Shane, about getting ahead is finally show some respect. How does that help people get ahead? Showing respect is one of the most winsome virtues that you can ever imagine. It, there's no downside in it. One of the things I found as a young pastor was I became convinced. I, I'm also, I've also got uh, uh, an advanced degree in history, and I became convinced when I was young that the, what they call the greatest generation, the World War II veterans, were probably the greatest generation in the history of America. And I became a great fan of that generation. And when a lot of my uh, colleagues, in some ways, just saw them as a bunch of obstinate old people that wouldn't go along with their new ideas, I had such deep respect for the generation as a whole. And though we certainly had some conflict on ideas and all that, I, I think that that basis they knew that I respected them. They knew that when they were very young people, I knew that when they were very young people, they 
went to the Pacific. They went to Europe. A lot of them did not come back. They fought a war against some of the worst abuses of humanity. Mm -hmm. Uh, They won that war. They came back home. They kept their mouths shut, and they made America great. And you know what? I got a lot of respect for that. And because of that respect, uh, I feel like it helped me as a young pastor navigate some of those generational issues. So for me, having respect is really important. A few years ago, Mike, I was at a concert with a Grammy winning award uh, person was up there. And they were a person who was, I would say, prone to laboring stories. And you could tell they were in between songs, and you could tell this guy was about to digress into a long, long, long story. And he wasn't exactly the best storyteller. He's a far better singer. And he was about to do that. And when he first got in, I looked at one of the young people that was playing an instrument. He caught the eye of another young person, and he rolled his eyes. And I thought, you insolent punk. This guy has won multiple Grammys. You've done jack nothing. And you're standing up. You have the privilege of being on the stage with one of the best musicians of their generation. And you're rolling your eyes at him. You need to show a little respect. And guess what occurred to me? When I was their age, I did the same thing. (laughs) I did did the same thing. And then I thought, I bet you that musician, the Grammy Award, I bet when he was their age, he did the same thing. So I think realizing uh, how that all works. But I do think if we have respect for people deep in our hearts, it it matters and it's a plus. You know, when I was growing up, my uh, dad was driving. I was in a like a ninety uh, station wagon. I think I can't remember what it was called, but ninety station wagon. Of course, we were driving on a road trip, and I was in the back, no seatbelts, which was of course. then it was fine, you know. But yeah. he got pulled over for speeding, and I, it was the first time I remember him ever getting pulled over and talking to a police officer. And he would call the police officer sir mm-hmm. and talk with him so much with respect. Immediately at that moment. I thought to myself, oh, you respect police officers. Yeah. And that stuck with, I just remember that, jar. I never heard my dad call people sir. Yeah. And in that moment, was, oh, these, these are men and women that you treat with respect. And uh, that had an impact on me. You know, when I hear, I just feel like in general, uh, you know, you just, people, you don't see respect uh, out in society as much. When I hear someone respect another one, a person they don't know, it actually encourages me. Absolutely. When I was down, I was just in South Texas on a trip, and I could just tell within the culture there was respect for strangers. Oh, excuse me, sir. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Just in all these interactions, that encouraged me. I even think a little bit Chick-fil-A kind of lives in that lane a little bit. They do. And, and, and just going there, there's some dignity uh, yeah. that's shared when you respect someone. Uh, it's not about trusting them with your whole life. It's just showing some some common courtesy. And for me, uh, th- that actually encourages me right now. Yeah. I, a few years back when my grandsons were, were really young, maybe five and six, uh, we were on a bus going to a St. Louis Cardinals game. All the way in the back of the bus were two gentlemen who were in their 90s, still in reasonably good health. I mean, enough to get on the bus and go to a Cardinals game. And they both had World War II veteran hats on. And I took both of my grandsons over to meet them. And I told my grandsons that every great thing in your life was made possible by men like this. And we just spent some time. And my grandson shook their hands. And those guys just melted into my grandkids. And I felt like that something really beautiful happened in that Mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. 
my grandsons developed an appreciation and respect for older people who deserve to be appreciated and respected. I think those older gentlemen felt honored that someone remembered and someone cared. And I felt really good to be a bridge between the two and plan something forward. You talk about no downsides. And if you want to blow it up a little more, there were probably 40 people around who were a part of that. Mm. And there were tears in people's eyes. Wow. Respect is powerful. And when you have a society that has no respect for others, then you want you you have you don't have respect for others because you don't have respect for yourself. And if there is no respect, I just don't think you have anything to build a healthy society on. I think in this podcast today we talked a little bit more about how we get ahead, and as we've as we've kind of opened this up even more, it's how we get ahead uh, not just for our personal interests but help in society in a lot of ways too. Shane, any closing thoughts as we uh, close the podcast today? If you're out there and you keep feeling like you're, you, you just can't kind of break through, you can't get that promotion, you can't get to that next level, you can't seem to get your tires to get traction, work hard, have a great attitude, be a team player, watch your language, receive, refuse drama, show some respect. Did you notice none of that had to do with being brilliant? None of that had to do with particular aptitude or anything of the sort. I am guaranteeing it. You go out there and put that stuff in play, good things are going to happen. And if you throw some intelligence and some aptitude on top of it, you may be one of the truly great ones. Well, thank you for joining us for Navigating Change with Shane and Mike. We'd love for you to subscribe, share, and review our podcast. If you'd like to hear more from Shane or I, visit our websites, RevShaneBishop.com or RevMikeWoo.com. We'll talk with you next time. Make sure that you keep the change.